Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoyed the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. It is indeed my honor and pleasure to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you will, take them. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 4. If you'll go ahead and find that. The message today is simple. In fact, all the messages I think are, that I preach are simple. But we have a profound God and a God who said that he will speak to you this morning. And I hope that you are coming not to listen to me or ever to listen to a person, but to listen to God himself. I'm excited about what I get to share with you because I do believe that I from God's word, will be able to encourage you by his spirit, by his word with God's people. I want us to pray and then we'll look at God's word. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you that you have worked in their lives. Lord, as we open up your word, we open up our lives and we ask that you will speak to us. And Lord, I ask that uh, even today you will Open up our eyes to see your glory and your beauty as never before. Open up our hearts that we might absorb your truth and let it begin to transform us. Let us open up our mouths to share the good news with others. Let us speak encouraging words to our brothers and sisters. And Lord, at the end of our time of worship as we respond in song, let it not just be that we've heard and we've sung, but we have met with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm chapter four. When times are hard. You know, there seems to be, at least most of the time, two different kinds of Christianities. One is the well-marketed kind. And in the well-marketed Christianity, images are always polished. The language is refined and the followers are young and good looking. But then there's the real Christianity. The followers aren't always pretty. In fact, oftentimes they're downright needy. It's more mysterious. The cost is staggering. It's answers only raises even bigger questions. And the language, instead of being polished and refined, is the deep agony of the soul. And that's what we see in Psalm 4. If you're able to stand and willing to stand, will you please stand for the public reading of Scripture? Psalm 4, a Psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. 
offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Three things that I want to encourage you with today from God's word. Three exhortations in hard times. The first one is simply this. Call upon the Lord when you are in trouble. Call upon the Lord in hard times. Look at verse 1. Answer me when I call. O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. What kind of trouble is David in? Well, the fact is, we don't know for certainty. A lot of people think it's probably uh, just a continuation of what had gone on in Psalm chapter 3. In the third Psalm, we know that this is Absalom's revolt. He is going against his father. Absalom was young, he was good looking, he was popular, he was very angry. He decided that he would declare himself king. He gathered a following and set out against his father, David. And David ran for his life. Whatever the issue is, we do know that it's trouble. It is life-threatening, gut-wrenching, heart-rending trouble. And I don't know what trouble or hardship you're in today. It may be a broken relationship, a family crisis, a struggle that you never saw coming, but now it is upon you. It could be something that came suddenly or something that has gradually overwhelmed you, but you know that you are in that time. You call upon God in that kind of trouble. In fact, we get some clue as to what this trouble looks like with the word distress. The word distress means to be in a tight corner, to be in a spot where you desperately need space. I, I think about, and many of you read the Pit in the Pendulum by Edgar Allan Poe and how that sharp blade was coming slowly down upon that prisoner in his cell. And then he realized that the walls were also coming in and he desperately needs more time and more space and that may be exactly where you are. Do you know what it's like to be in that kind of trouble? Running out of time and space. What do you do when you're there? I encourage you this morning to call on God. Notice the basis of his prayer, O God of my righteousness. Do you see that that is why he's calling on God? He knows that God is the author of his righteousness, the possessor of righteousness. And whatever righteousness that David possesses, he possesses in God. Whatever righteousness he's looking for, he's looking for in God. God is righteous and we can trust him. He will do what is right. So he comes to God, not based on who he is, but on who God is. That's the God you're gonna call on. But also, he says, you've been faithful in the past. You've given me relief in my distress. Oh God, you have proved yourself. You have pushed crushing things away from me in the past. The walls of disaster and distress have not fallen on me. Maybe we can be like the saints of old who sang, oh God, our help in the ages past. I want you to think about your life. God has brought you through some very difficult times. Think about 
all the times that you thought, I don't know if I can take another step, and yet God says, I am with you. I will take care of you. He has never failed you, and he will not fail you today. Be encouraged. Call on God because of who he is. He's righteous, and because of what he's done, he has never left you, never let you down. And then our God is a gracious God. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. If it really was the situation with Absalom that he's writing about, I think it is. A lot of this was David's own fault. By that, I mean he had failed to confront his sons when Tamar had been raped by Amnon and did nothing about it. And Absalom decides he's going to take care of this situation because his father did not. David brought some of this on himself. And I think this is a big deal because I know in my life and probably in yours, a lot of the trouble is of my own making. I've got myself in a mess because of choices I've made. Some of the consequences of the decisions you've made are now coming upon you and you are reaping a bitter harvest. What do you do then? The easiest thing for me to do is at that point to go, I don't deserve anything, God. I just, I'm going to just take what comes as my punishment. But do you notice he says, be gracious to me? David doesn't say, Lord, I've done no wrong. He remembers that it's not his righteousness to start with. It's God's righteousness. I want you to call on God even if you've got yourself in the mess. He is righteous and you can call on him. He is gracious. Perhaps this morning you just need to say, Lord, what I have done and the mess I'm in is largely my own making. But I need your mercy and I need your grace for without your grace, I am lost. I have a God and you do too who says, I'll meet you where you are. Even if you're reaping the consequences of your own choices, if you are in trouble, call on God be encouraged second thing trust you call and you trust you trust God no matter what others may do now at this point in the psalm David I think is now addressing those who are pursuing him he's addressing those that are surrounding him and they are urging him to respond in certain ways and it's amazing when people are in trouble, there's always some responses. Derek Kidner in his commentary on uh, Psalm 4 says that there are three different groups that David addresses and I'm gonna run on the track that he gives. He says the first group are the fickle, those that are willing to compromise and give in rather quickly. He says, oh men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words? How long will you live in de delusion and seek after lies? And some Bibles will say, seek after other gods. These are people who find nothing really sacred and nothing to be honored. Any lies acceptable. Every false god is tried. Every new trick is welcomed. Every trendy gimmick is explored. And when trouble comes, they abandon all commitment. They delude themselves, they believe these lies, whatever the latest fad may be. And what happens when you are in trouble? 
there will be plenty of people around you who will basically tell you you are a fool for believing in this God they gave up on God a long time ago and you should give up on God as well David says I will trust God no matter what others do in fact verse 3 is a statement of faith in contrast to those that are fickle those that are wavering those that are willing to walk away notice he says but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself the Lord hears when I call to him God knows his own and he does not abandon them God has set his love on you you are his daughter you are his son and he says I know you and I love you and I will never let go of you he knows his own he has set you apart I like what second Timothy says Paul says this but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal the Lord knows those who are his Spurgeon said this God's elect shall not be condemned nor shall their cry be unheard since God chose to love us he cannot but choose to hear us God says you're mine I'll hear so when you are in that grip of trouble and time is running out and the pressure is on when every principle and every promise seems to be up for grabs you need to say I don't care what others do I will trust God no matter what what voices are you listening to is it those that are fickle those that have no commitment there's another uh, group that responds in verse 4 it's the angry group a lot of times when we are in trouble we strike out and we hurt those around us we've all heard of crimes of passion crimes of passion most violent crimes don't happen from uh, stranger to stranger it's somebody that comes after a spouse a child a neighbor some loved one when the pressure is on we have a tendency to become hot-headed and in our anger we will do some crazy things I want to ask you when the pressure's on you how do you respond do you pitch a fit you throw a tantrum do you lash out at God do you lash out at God's people it is amazing to see how little children respond when uh, they don't get their way or they feel some pressure some way and we've all seen children at home and in stores just lay down on the floor and scream and holler and yell and yet some of us do that in our relationship with God it is easy to lash out we think that we deserve better we don't deserve better in fact we deserve worse we deserve the very judgment of God and I think that's why he says in your anger do not sin ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent stop your whining stop it stop your pity party stop it stop your anger and keep trusting God what does that look like we don't have to guess look at verse 5 offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord you have to do the next right thing whether you understand what's going on or not you bring the sacrifice that God has commanded you keep doing what God says and you trust him for the outcome now of course we don't have sacrifices to bring but I think the truth still applies to us 
We don't have to understand what's happening to us, but we do have to keep coming back to our Savior to do what he says to do. God's word calls you to be still, to search your heart, to be faithful, to trust in him no matter what anybody else does and do what God's word says. I talk to people all the time when pressure is on, they have convinced themselves that there's another way to handle it. So often I've met with people and they will tell me that God understands. Oh, what they're doing is wrong, but God understands. And if I would only understand, then I would not be saying to them what I'm saying to them. No, David says, you don't listen to people like that. And you're gonna, not going to trust in the wisdom of everybody, but you'll trust in the wisdom of God. Well, there's another group, verse 6. These are the pessimists, the defeatists. These are the people whose glass is always half empty. And when real trouble comes, notice what they do in verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us some good? These are the people who feel like their situation is hopeless. Their faith is turned to fear. Their hope is turned to despair. And basically they're saying, God has forsaken us. We might as well just give in, throw in the tower. We're defeated and God is nowhere to be found. And I think all of us at times struggle with this defeatist attitude. Sometimes we just want to quit and walk away. But David says, no, I'll trust God no matter what anybody else does. I'll trust God no matter what anybody else says. And it wasn't like he was pretending, but he does call on God. He felt the overwhelming pressure. But notice he says, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. David knew the God of light. And he continued to believe that the God who made the light shine out of darkness was able to shine in his heart. So David is seeking God. He's asking God. He persists in his faith even when he sees nothing. That is what faith is. Lord, I'm going to trust you when I don't understand what's going on. And I know that all these voices around me are saying certain things, especially those that said, just quit, just move on, move away from the Lord. But there comes a time where you have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. You know, we don't understand the cross, but we trust in the cross. And God, I don't understand what you're doing in my life right now. But even when I can't understand you, I will still trust you. I have friends of mine that are pilots. And one guy was telling me one time that the scariest thing that he ever did was flying and a storm came up, it was dark, and he had to fly only by the instruments for the very first time. And he said it was terrifying. He couldn't tell if he was leaning one way or the other. He could have been upside down. He had no idea what to do, but he focused on the instruments. And whatever it said to do, he said, I disciplined myself. Even if it didn't feel right, even if I thought it was wrong, I trusted in those instruments to get me where I needed to go. And some of you today need to say, God, I don't understand and it's all dark around me, but Lord, I'm gonna trust in you. And I will not listen to those that say, just quit. Look at verse 7. David shifts the gear. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. 
It's better than money in the bank and wine in the bottle. <laughs> oh God, you are with me. God has filled your heart with a greater joy than can be found in pleasant circumstances. See, a lot of people in your churches and maybe a little bit has crept into your life. They think the gospel is trust Jesus and he'll make everything better. And the highest good for most people, even in churches, is if they could only feel good. And therefore, when trouble comes, and Jesus promised you'll have trouble, you're tempted to give in to this defeatism. I quit. God didn't keep his promises. I wish I could tell you how many times I have to undo messes, particularly charismatic messes. In our area where somebody says, if you claim this verse, if you just believe this and speak this into existence and everything will be right. And when that crashes and burns because that's not the gospel and I have to come and try to help them understand who God is because they were sold something that was not Jesus and Jesus alone. God's joy is not at the mercy of your circumstances. We have God himself. Let that fill your heart. Keep trusting no matter what it feels like, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does. So you call on God. Are you doing that? You're trusting God, no matter what anybody else says or does. And the last point is you rest in God. You rest in God. You rest in God's peace. Look at verse eight. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Sleep. There's few things as necessary as sleep. In fact, we know one of the greatest instruments of torture is sleep deprivation. If you can deprive somebody of sleep long enough, they will break down physically, emotionally, psychologically. We all know how important sleep is. And yet in our culture, there's not a whole lot of sleep nor rest. But that's not what David says. He says, I am going to rest in God's peace. Now, how does that happen? I want you to notice as you look at verse 8, the trouble has not disappeared. The enemies are still threatening. The walls are still closing in. Everything is coming at him still. And those fickle people are still mocking him. Oh, we used to believe that, but not anymore. And the hotheads are still screaming at him. And the defeatists are still saying, just give up. And I love what David says. David says, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I plan to rest in God's care. How do you do that? It doesn't get any more simple than what the psalmist says. You call on God in trouble. You trust him no matter what anybody else does. And then you rest in his peace. You can cast your care on him for he cares for you. How much does he care? It always goes back to the cross. If Jesus Christ took care of your biggest problem, he will take care. How will he not graciously give you all things? His grace is sufficient. Find your rest in him. Of course, this does not mean that bad things will never happen because they do and they will. 
But I want you to look at the last word of this psalm. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. A lot of commentators say that a better word for that last word, a better translation would be unafraid. Make me dwell unafraid. And that's even better than safety. Church history gives us a stunning example of such rest. Many of you are very familiar with the story of Nicholas Ridley. In 1554, the Bishop of London, Nicholas Ridley, was condemned to die to be burned at the stake for his faith by Bloody Mary, Queen Mary Tudor. And the night that he was to be, the night before he was to be martyred, Ridley's brother offered to remain with him through the night. And Ridley said no. In fact, he looked at his brother and said, I plan to go to bed and sleep as quietly as I ever have in my whole life. This is a man who says, I'm trusting in God. I have called on God. And now I will rest in him no matter what, unafraid. So this morning, the message is simple. I believe that God is calling you to act in ways that are consistent with your faith and the greatness of your God. And if God is God and his promises are true, entrust yourself to him. Rest in him. Trouble will always be around. I think the older I get, I used to think that there would be a time that things would be different. If I could only get my education, if I only get a church, if it only do this, if I could only have kids, if they'd only get grown, blah, 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 blah. No, there's always trouble. And without warning, we find ourselves pressed on every side in terrible distress. It is a time to learn that trusting Jesus is different than what you may have thought. Pretty simple. Call on God when you're in trouble. Do you notice David, I think, pours out his heart. It's not a meaningless kind of rote prayer. So this morning, even as you respond in your singing, as you respond in your singing, I also want it to be respond in your praying. Call out to God in the agony of your soul. And then trust the Lord no matter what everybody else does. I encourage you today to stop trying to please everyone or even to be like everyone and to follow everyone's advice because those people will compromise those people will lash out in anger and those people will quit the faith I encourage you this morning to stand on the solid rock of God's promise even if you're the only one left trust in him and then rest in God's peace pretty simple do you believe in God or not? Do you believe that he sovereignly works all things together for his good purposes? And ultimately, we know what the purpose is. God does work all things together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. And the next verse tells us what the purpose is, you know, that we'll be conformed to the image of his son. God is working in you now. And therefore, the panic can stop all the frantic activity, all the worry, and you can entrust your life, your cause, your soul to your faithful Savior. 
and you can be unafraid and get some sleep. We have a great and mighty God. I noticed uh, the reading today for you was from Hebrews. I've been preaching through Hebrews now for almost 40 weeks. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage people who are ready to quit. And he's always pointing them to Jesus. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's a better mediator of a better covenant. Everything, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then he says these words that you're familiar with. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You look to Jesus, and you're able to endure because he endured. And he endured for the joy that was set before him, really struggled what is that joy I think that there are all bits and pieces the fact that he was redeeming people absolutely but in John 17 Jesus says this and I'm closing he's speaking to the father and he says I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do and now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed Jesus' ultimate joy was doing the Father's will, glorifying the Father. And I want to point you to Jesus once again today, the one who endured because he was glorifying the Father, doing the will of the Father. And as you stay focused on him, you will be able to say, Oh God, you know me, I call on you. I will trust you no matter what, and I will find my rest in you. Let me pray for us. Oh God, you are so good to us and kind and gracious. And you know all about us. And you know the trouble that we're in. This hard time is overwhelming. But it has not taken you by surprise. And Lord, even when we can't understand what's going on, we will trust you. Lord Jesus, we will look to you, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Let us seek to glorify you in all things. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.